Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to Jess Unfiltered. I'm your host, Jess, obviously. So today we're gonna be listening to the YouTube video, Is Anti-MLM Anti-Women? Now I know that there are some other creators who have done videos on this. The first one that I know of is Savvy on YouTube. So definitely credits to them for bringing this to my attention. I follow them on Twitter, so shout out to you, Savvy. Yeah, (laughs) I wouldn't have known this video existed if it weren't for you. And honestly, I haven't even watched the full video is anti-MLM, anti-women. I watched a couple minutes of it and then I had to go do something. So some of this reaction I'm gonna have is gonna be just on the fly (laughs) and I haven't had time to prepare for it. But with that, let's go ahead and get started. Is anti-multi-level marketing anti-women? Right now I'm gonna touch on three different categories of anti-women stances I've seen touched on by the anti-MLM community, whether it be people in the comment section or content creators themselves. And those three categories are exploitation, predation, and degradation of women. Let's start with the exploitative side of anti-MLM. So a common argument against multi-level marketing is that those in the top ranks of these companies are making money off the backs of those in the bottom ranks. Now, oftentimes the people in the bottom levels of these companies, which are female dominated, are often given the label of victim in the anti-MLM world. And I believe the anti-MLM world and that whole movement is also making money off the backs of these same so-called victims. Now you may be saying, well, some people in the community don't monetize their anti-MLM stance either as content creators or viewers or commenters. However, building a social media following of any size has a value in today's society. And I've seen some anti-MLM creators point out in early stages of their content creation that they don't make money off their videos. And then I later see them have ads on their video when I revisit their pages. So this to me supports what a recent article on this whole industry has said, which is that Basically, anti-MLM, the label, is now being exploited to build personal brands online rather than be that educational movement that it started out as. On the flip side, when I... So here's the thing. I have a couple thoughts, and I get where he's coming from. I definitely do. I think that exploitation in any form is wrong, and I think that if you're trying to use a tragedy to make money, get famous, political gain, whatever it is. I don't like that. I think that that's really prevalent, especially with politics nowadays, name a tragedy and there's a political group on both sides, not not just one side, but all sides. Someone will come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, see, if we didn't have XYZ in power, this tragedy never would have happened. And so a lot of people try to use bad things that happen for their own personal gain. And that's just... I think human nature and it's wrong and of course we should call that out but where I don't really agree with him is that I don't think that just because you monetize your videos that you're necessarily trying to profit off of people's misfortune because being in an MLM is terrible and it's cult-like and we've established this a million times 99 plus percent of people don't end up making money or lose money and so the anti-MLM community is here to be provide support for those people we're here to bring awareness we're here to 
help others who have family members or friends who are involved with MLMs. I know that I have met a lot of people on Instagram who have reached out to me and been, been like, hey, I know somebody who's involved with an MLM and they're really close to me and it really stinks. And I'm like, I literally know exactly how you feel. And so it's great to have a support network. And I am someone who monetizes my videos, but I'll be very candid with you all. I've been doing this podcast since 2020. I don't know the exact month, but I've maybe made a dollar per month. Like I literally, if I go to my Anchor account right now and I log in and I look at how much money I have made since I started, it is like around $4 total. So <laughs> I am not getting rich off of this and yeah, I mean, I'm not. But if you think about it, so there's this thing called the Fair Use Act and basically people like myself or people on YouTube or journalists or creators, we're allowed to use some content to make money off of it. And once I can pull it up here on my computer, I can read to you what the Fair Use Act is and then kind of tie that into why I don't think that it's necessarily bad to monetize something. So the Fair Use Act, it's uh, section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976. It says, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, news, reporting, teaching, scholarship, education, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that might otherwise be infringing. So what that means is I can use videos and audio that other people have uploaded and report on it and give my commentary and my criticism about it. And my thing is, is how is that really much different than people who are on the news? Because people are on the news for free, right? You have people who are journalists who have perfected their craft who, yeah, I mean, they might be reporting on house fires or tragedies, whatever, whatever the situation is, whatever the misfortune is, they're reporting on that and they're taking a salary and they're running commercials because to be honest, there's a lot of work, a lot of work that goes into being a content creator, whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're doing a YouTube channel or like literally whatever it is, there's a lot of work that it, that goes into it and a lot of money and time that goes into it. And I think that the, the more that you can monetize things, the more money that you can bring in, the better that you can make the experience for everybody else. There's a reason why there's so many commercials when you watch the news because they need those commercials to play so that they can make money and they can buy a better studio. And yeah, there are going to be people that profit off of it. And that's just kind of a byproduct of the situation. But I don't think it's necessarily bad because the thing is, is like when I'm monetizing a, a, a podcast or a YouTube channel or whatever it is, I'm not forcing people to listen or forcing people to watch that or manipulating people into paying me money. Like nobody is paying to listen to my podcast. Like it's completely free. You can literally go to a bunch of different sites and listen to it a hundred percent free. And so if you want, you can skip over that ad or on YouTube, it might, the ad might play for three seconds and then you hit skip it. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I'm not taking money from people. Anchor or Spotify or whoever, if you have ads on your YouTube videos, like Google AdSense is paying you. These companies are paying you to advertise and that allows you to upgrade your equipment and buy better stuff. 
But the other thing too is like if you're a content creator and you're passionate about doing commentaries and news reporting and teaching and education and things like that, you can do that more if you can make more money off of your podcasts and your YouTube videos. Like if I left my nine to five job right now to pursue podcasting, like I would have no income, like a dollar a month is what I would have. And so hypothetically, if I were to make enough income from this type of reporting and commentary, that would give me more time to do more research and to produce better content for you guys. Like I literally have to do all of this after I get off work every day and I'm usually drained. And so the quality of the podcast would be significantly better if I didn't have to go to a nine to five job and I could just afford to live and do this full time. And for the creators that don't monetize their content, great, good for them. I, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. That's awesome. And for the ones that do monetize, personally, I don't, I don't have an issue with it. I just, I think that if you're doing journalistic commentary, like that costs a lot of money to get stuff going. Like, I'll be honest with you guys, since I started my first, like if you go back and listen to my first episode, listen to that, listen to the audio quality, listen to everything, and then listen to the audio quality today. Chances are it sounds a little bit better. I've probably spent close to seven or $800 on equipment to make it sound better. And that was out of my own pocket. Money that I made from my nine to five job that I am putting back into this podcast to make it sound better. And I've made $4 off of it. Like I'm not doing this to try and like get famous or be filthy rich. Like I'm doing it because I'm passionate about anti-MLM. And if I make some money off of it, great. And if I don't, okay. But as long as people are listening and as long as they're getting something out of the stuff that I'm saying, like, that's really, I think, what I and most people in the anti-MLM community are, like, going for is just trying to educate people. So I don't see anything wrong with monetizing videos. I think that his argument is a little bit silly. I mean, people in MLMs are making money, like, literally taking money from other people and convincing them to give them their money. But when you listen to a podcast, it's free. I mean, you you don't have to pay anything to listen to this. I see people celebrating someone, a lot of times a woman, technically working for free, especially in the anti-MLM world, meaning they may be building a valuable following online, but it's not monetized to the point where they can pay their bills with the revenue from that following. So to me, that is actually an anti-woman stance because you are celebrating a woman working for free something often criticized in the anti-mlm community in regards to the time it takes to make a profit if ever in multi-level marketing also this is contradictory to a lot of the conversations around women working for free in general now the exploitation is very apparent when these quote-unquote horror stories are used to scare people who are anti-MLM from going to the middle on this topic. To me, it is anti-woman to scare a community of mostly women into not making certain decisions for themselves and using examples of people going from anti-MLM to MLM to keep people on your side. Because to me, it shows a a weakness in the anti-argument. 
If your side has such strong standing on what you believe, how can someone leave for the thing that you criticize and are so strongly against and also be framed as this person who left and almost took down an entire movement? Also, turning people's pain into entertainment, in my opinion, is exploitative because a lot of what I've seen is content that starts out educational and then it turns into entertainment once that one point is made in one video and then it starts coming up over and over and over again in dozens of videos with the same points being made for the same group of people over and over again. I don't think that repeating the same point over and over again is done strictly for entertainment purposes. I think a lot of the times why myself and a lot of other people make the same point over and over again is to illustrate the point. Like, Sometimes people don't remember everything you've said in previous videos. Sometimes people don't watch every video or listen to every episode. Sometimes people would like reminders. Sometimes you have to illustrate the same point in order to paint a larger picture. So if I say in every single episode that 99 plus percent of people in MLMs are not successful, that's not me saying it for entertainment purposes. It's doing it to remind people how bad and impractical it is to make money in these things. And I don't know if this is what he's talking about. I I guess I'm a little bit confused on what he's talking about in terms of entertainment. If he's saying like that there are some MLM creators that will make fun of other people, which he never used that phrase. So I don't think that's what he's saying. I understand what he is trying to say. I just don't agree with it because I think that he's trying way too hard to prove his point. I, I, I feel like it's, if it's that complicated to explain why anti-MLM is anti-women, then you're just making a mountain out of a molehill and making the situation way too complex to force your point. Like, I just don't, I, I, I get what he's saying. I just don't agree with it at all. There, there are going to be obviously people who go back on their views, right? And he's talking about people in the anti-MLM community who were at one point anti-MLM and then they go join an MLM. And he kind of says something along the lines of like, oh, well, if your argument for being anti-MLM is so strong, why are you having people leaving? And it's like, well, I, d I don't have any data to back this up, but I feel like most of the people who are anti-MLM don't end up going to MLMs. And I also would like to know why they chose to go to MLMs because I feel like people in life are, are seeking something. And personally, I think the main reason a lot of people join MLMs is because they want side income, they want friends, and they want some kind of purpose or they want something to do. They're bored. And so if they're part of the anti-MLM community and they're not feel, feel, bleh, feeling fulfilled in that regard, then when they hear all of these girls who are pro MLM speak about the community, oh, you can have friends, you can actually make money. I mean, honestly, like a lot of these girls in the MLM community give not good, good arguments or good reasons, but they give you good reason to believe that you should trust them and that you should just give it a try. Just give it a try. You have nothing to lose. It can be very convincing. I know for me personally, who I'm somebody who doesn't have a ton of friends, I would absolutely love to be able to just join an MLM and have friends who care about me and support me and have a good support system and people I can talk to and 
post-COVID I can go to dinner with and, and whatnot. But I, but I have to continually ground myself and say, you know what? That's just not, they're fake. They're fake friends. They might be good people, but the friendship is not authentic because they're profiting off of you. They just want to be friends with you so they can make money from you. I, I just, he's not presenting me with a good argument. And I don't know what, I, I can't really pinpoint why I don't like his argument or why I don't agree with it. But I just think that he's trying way too hard to prove a point. He went into this video and he's like, if you're anti-MLM, you're anti-women. And even if that's not true, I'm going to make sure it's true by making all of these connections and showing you why. And it's like, well, kind of just, again, making a mountain out of a molehill. Like you're, you're making the monetization thing a way bigger deal than it needs to be. I don't know. Those are just my thoughts. Let's let's keep going with this video. We're about halfway through. To me, this mimics cult-like behavior, which I will touch on in a future video regarding MLMs and the anti-MLM stance. Now, in regards to predatory behavior, another criticism of multi-level marketing, or as some call it network marketing, is the appearance of preying on people's vulnerabilities or pain points to market the product or business opportunity. Now, some of those pain points are often a desire for purpose or income or a community. So in my opinion, the anti-MLM stance preys on people's ignorance by showing only the bad stories and unethical business practices, when in reality, there are also good stories and ethical business practices in these companies. Yes, there may be good stories for like one less than 1% of the people who join, but that's like saying, that's not a good argument. I mean, he's not giving a good argument because if you think about it, let's say you have a country and you have a dictator and him and his family get to live really, really nicely at the top. And then you have the rest of the country is just absolutely dirt poor and everyone's like living in the slums and it's just horrible and everyone hates it and they're miserable. I mean, that's like him saying like, oh, but look at look at the dictator. He's having a really good life. He He's really well off. He's happy. He's making so much money. He's comfortable. It's like, yeah, but dude, you're like completely ignoring the fact that we have 99% of the population other than the dictator's family. 99% of the population is starving. They're miserable. Like, you're just going to completely overlook that? <laughs> if it was... No, no, I'll be honest. If it was more of a 50-50 split and it was like, okay, well, half the distributors are not going to have a good time and they're not going to make money. But the other half are going to have a good time and they're going to make money. If the if it was closer to 50-50, I would have much less of an issue with MLMs. But the fact that it is over a 99% failure rate over 99% of the people who join fail. I, I don't know how you can overlook that to say, oh, well, you have to look at the less than 1% that are successful. You have to look at that and take that into consideration. It's like, yes, but the only reason that those people, the, the 0.4 or 0.6, whatever it is, the only reason that those people are making money is because, because the other 99 point something percent are losing money or not making money. It is a direct result of the bottom 99% having a bad time that causes the top less than 1% to have a great time. So I, 
I just think his arguments, I mean, that's a bad argument. Like you would never look at a country, a poor, a poor country with a wealthy dictator and be like, oh, well, that's good for the dictator, right? Like, no, it's not good for anybody. If he's, if the only reason that he's rich is because everyone else is poor, then that's pretty crappy in my opinion. Because if you look for the good, you will find the good. If you look for the bad, you will find the bad. And in the anti-MLM arguments case, preying on people's bad experiences is a way to get and keep people in the quote-unquote anti-mindset that only exists because of the MLMs and the results that they produce, which scares people into expressing any other viewpoint besides the anti-MLM viewpoint. Recently, we've seen an example of what happens when someone is on the outs with the anti-MLM community, especially when they leave after being a part of that anti-MLM community. Which brings me to the degradation of women point that I've seen displayed in the anti-MLM community. Let's start with just education in general. So for a community that says it is about educating people on what happens in MLMs to prevent people from joining and using unethical business practices within them, it sure is interesting to see a person on the outs education history being discredited. If you were pro-women empowerment, wouldn't you be celebrating a woman trying to better herself? And why is it okay to put a woman down because she's doing something a little bit different than maybe you would do it? On a similar note, a video came out recently on the situation surrounding this person that is now on the outs with the community in which there was criticism of her claiming to have expertise in multiple areas. Now to me, this is the opposite of empowering women as well because I thought the modern woman was supposed to be able to do it all if they choose and that was supposed to be celebrated. So in my opinion, degrading a woman for confidence in her competence in multiple areas is not progressive, it is actually regressive. One okay, so again, a couple things. That woman that he's speaking about, I believe he's talking about an influencer. I don't know her name but I have definitely heard about her and correct me if I'm wrong, but supposedly she was a big part of the anti-MLM community, built a huge following, ended up going and joining Monet or something like that and promised to pay Monet $6,000 for all of the trouble that she's caused being an anti-MLMer. So the thing with that is, again, the only reason that this girl let's say she is successful in MLM and does make money because she already has a following. The only reason that she's going to be making money is because she's going to be recruiting people and they're going to be losing money. So her success will be a direct result of other people's loss. So I don't think that that's something that should be celebrated personally. I don't think that we should say that she's being a strong, independent woman for knowingly participating in something that is truly unethical. I don't think that degrading her personally is something that should happen. I don't think that people should attack personal things about her, like the way that she looks or anything like that. And I, I've not heard that. I've listened to a couple different people talk about this situation and I've never heard her be attacked in a degrading way or be criticized rather in a degrading way. I feel like anytime she's been criticized, it's always been with people presenting information about the situation and then just giving their thoughts like I am now and saying, you know what, this isn't right because she knows how damaging that MLMs are to the people at the bottom and yet she's willingly wanting to participate in that and that that's not okay. And I don't think it's anti-woman 
to have an opinion. Like, this guy's like, oh, well, like, I don't even really know what he's arguing at this point because he's saying that it's anti-women to not support this girl for joining an MLM. And it's like, well, I think it's anti-women for not allowing me to have an opinion on the situation. Like, (laughs) are people in the anti-MLM community just supposed to be cool with her completely going against everything she used to preach? Like, she's, she at one point claimed to be enlightened about the, the horribleness that goes on within network marketing companies. And then now she's choosing to just overlook that and join one. Because let's be honest, if she already has a large following, chances are she will probably be pretty successful at this. She can fake it till she make it, makes it. She can join one and do really well and whatnot. She already has people who follow her. Now, granted, a lot of them are probably anti-MLMers, so maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I don't know. Those are just my thoughts. Point I actually agree on with MLMs that is talked about in the anti-MLM community is the seemingly overpriced products and distributors not being able to set their own prices of the products they sell. The problem is when someone left the community for an MLM, then created a supplemental product in which she could set the price herself, she was and still is being heavily criticized and labeled a quote-unquote scammer. So how can you say you are pro-women empowerment, then bash a woman for charging what she feels she is worth? Especially when someone in the anti-MLM community, maybe more than one at this point, are trying to do the same thing regarding some social media training and influencer training. That, to me, is not women supporting women. But I'm sure there will be some people still trying to justify this behavior somehow. But at the end of the day, I know, and I know a lot of people are finally waking up to this, that it's becoming clear that the quote-unquote pro-women, women supporting women, whatever whatever you want to call it, movement, is actually being weaponized by many as a means to an end for total authority over people. And in my opinion, this is being shown in the recent behavior of the anti-MLM community. So I look forward to seeing your comments in the comment section below. And if you want more... So just based on my anecdotal experience, most of the people who I've talked to in the anti-MLM community happen to be women. So what he's saying is that the anti-MLM community is anti-women when it is made up of all women. I just, I don't know what this guy's other videos are about and whatnot, but... I feel like this is just a stretch to say that that anti-MLM is anti-women because in in all honesty, like there's so many other real women's issues that exist in the world that are caused by men that maybe he could focus on. <laughs> like most people that I have met in the anti-MLM community are females and he's telling a group of females that they are anti-women while simultaneously not saying anything about all of the women's issues going on in his demographic. And and I don't want to pull that card. I don't want to be like, oh, well, maybe you should focus on your own issues. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, you're kind of telling like a, a group that's predominantly women that they're being sexist. And that sounds a little weird to me. I mean, what do you guys think? Am I, like, overanalyzing this? I don't know. That was the end of his video, though. Honestly, I think he came off very respectfully, and I was glad to hear his opinion. I believe Savvy 
asked if he wanted to have a debate. So check Savvy out on YouTube. Hopefully they get to have a debate together. I think that would be really interesting. I'm definitely inter interested in hearing more about what he has to say. I think that all of his arguments are definitely a stretch. I don't really see podcasting or YouTube or monetizing your videos. I don't see it any differently than journalism. I mean, this stuff takes time. It takes me hours to make an episode, anywhere from one to three hours probably. And there's a lot of other work that goes into it too. And if I make a couple bucks off of it, cool, but that's not why I'm here. And I think that a lot of people in the anti-MLM community are in the community because they've been personally victimized by an MLM. And I think that he's really kind of overlooking that. And I think it's important to listen to people's stories. I mean, I've talked to people on Instagram who've said they lost $5,000 from MLMs which is just horrible. I mean, it's it's horrible. And he's like, well, you got to look at the positives. You got to look at people who haven't lost money. It's like, but dude, <laughs> there was a, there's a girl on YouTube. I can't remember her name, but she interviewed somebody from Amway who lost $40,000 to Amway. 40,000. And it's like a lot of these people who are getting conned out of money in MLMs, most of them are women. Like... I just, yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Please let me know what you think about this episode. Do you guys agree with me? Do you think that um, he's... Let me know what you guys think about this episode. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with him? Is the anti-MLM community anti-women? Personally, I don't think so. Yeah, there might be a few bad apples who have the wrong intentions, who personally attack people and aren't cool about it. But I, I generally, I think most people in the anti-MLM community are super chill, super nice. I have heard a lot of really sad stories about MLMs and I just don't, I don't know how you could be a creator and hear those stories and report on them and speak about them and then choose to join one after you hear that. I just, I don't get that, but what do I know? Anyway, talk to you guys later. Thank you so much for listening to Anti-MLM Adventures with Jess Unfiltered.